This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lambert. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're so glad you're joining us today, and we hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Are you aware that your created purpose is to worship God and be with Him forever? That might sound good and all, and we can say that as if we know what it means, but what does it really mean to worship God? Is it just the thing that we do when we go to church, the song portion of our service? Or is worship something that permeates all aspects of our lives? So today on the podcast, we are talking with Dr. David DeGarmo to answer some of these questions and more about what is worship. David DeGarmo has served as the provost of Global University since June of 2016. Previously, he served as the dean of the Graduate School of Theology and associate dean of the Graduate School of Theology at Global University as well. He's an experienced educator, and he's served other institutions as an instructor, chief academic officer, and president or CEO. In the past, David has spent 14 years as a lead pastor. He's also served for seven years as a minister of music and a worship leader. He has a deep interest in the topic of worship and a desire to lead the church in authentic worship, and it's really been the theme of his entire ministry. David earned the Bachelor of Music from Evangel University and the Master of Divinity from Northern Baptist Theological Seminary. He finally ended up with his Doctor of Ministry from the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. The topic of his doctoral project was leading the Pentecostal worship service. David also enjoys reading and sports. He's married to his wife, Ruth, and they have two grown daughters, both of them accomplished musicians. So Dr. DeGarmo is very well positioned to help us answer these questions and more. What is worship? All right, Dr. DeGarmo, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. So as somebody who's spent a good deal of their life studying worship and leading worship and, and being a, a minister of worship, I sort of, I think a good place to start this conversation is what led you to want to study worship and, and really do your dissertation on that topic? Well, you mentioned, Chris, I've spent a good part of my life. I think you could make the case that I've spent my entire life studying worship. Uh, I am a church kid. On one side of my family, fourth generation follower of Christ, and the other side, we've only been doing it for three. So uh, I grew up in the in the church, literally. So I have been um, a worshiper of of Jesus for my entire life. And so, actually, you could say I've been watching others worship. I've been worshiping. I've been participating in worship services my entire life, and. Uh, while not everybody who's grown up in the church ends up studying worship, I think really those very beginning years that were so formative in in my life that um, I just have never not uh, been interested in the topic of worship. I might not have d- explained it that way as a child or a teenager or even a young adult, but uh, for for in my entire life I've been in the church and really been a person who's deeply concerned. Uh, about what it means to worship God. So the big topic that I think we have to get to eventually, because there's so many misconceptions out there and so many ideas of what worship is, 
is we have to start with defining our terms. What is worship? Because a lot of times it just gets construed as the song portion of our service during the public worship service on a Sunday morning. So number one, is that worship? And if it's not, what is worship? The short answer is yes, that is worship, but worship is so much more than that. Um, in fact, I've trying out a revised definition of worship of late that I'd like to share with you. And forgive me for sounding a little bit like a theologian here, but I think it does encapsulate fairly concisely what, a, what worship really is, and it's this. Worship is the formational activity of God's kingdom people through which they glorify God and by which they experience in community the kingdom of God through the Spirit's presence. Now, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think central to that is is the idea that worship is truly a comprehensive thing. While singing and music is one way, and one of many, many ways that we can worship. To actually worship God is really much bigger than simply singing. Yeah, you say formational act, and that's pretty interesting. How does formation, what role does worship play in our formation as a Christian? Well, you know, you really asked me what what captured, a minute ago you asked me what captured my uh, attention, my heart, if you will, toward worship. And I would just expand on that a little bit because in my form, I, my experience as a pastor, an assistant pastor, a music director, all those things, formal theological studies have led me to, to conclude that rightly defined, if we defined worship correctly, that worship really is the central formational activity of the church, that really all other discipleship um, uh, patterns, if you will, or activities really flow from the foundation that we begin in a corporate worship service. Think of perhaps the corporate worship service, not one of the things a church does, but the, the, the center of the wheel, of the bicycle wheel, which other spokes coming out of that. So that's why I would say that worship is, is very foundational to everything the church does. So you're saying formation proceeds from a lifestyle of worship? Is that accurate? Yeah, and I and I would say that everything we do. Let's let's take for example, um, if you want to talk about more intentional or specific discipleship. Say a lot of people think of discipleship as doing Bible studies and learning how to obey the scriptures and put that into everyday life. That really the seed of that begins in the corporate worship service. How do we know that that's a thing we ought to do? Except that we've been introduced to that idea through the scriptures in the, in the community of the believers, which is more often than not a corporate worship service. Now, that might be 1,000 people. It might be 10,000 people. Your corporate worship service might be 10 people. Uh, so it doesn't really matter the size of it, but it's really the community is what's really important, and it, everything begins in the community and proceeds from there. You know, that's a really good point because too much, I think, today, and in, in at least the American context, where we're very Western, very individual in our approach to religion or our, uh, our, our Christian walk with Jesus, it's often billed as a personal walk. And of course, it is that thing. But I think we have underplayed how valuable being formed together as a 
church body is, that being a Christian and following Christ is first and foremost something we do with others, right? And then it's, like you said, it because nobody becomes a Christian by themselves. It's always in community with somebody else. We're usually led in some way from that, even if that's the witness of uh, the scriptures, just reading uh, the Bible by yourself, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So it really underscores two things that we're really passionate about here at Daily Growth Discipleship, and we sort of have our own little roadmap that we think of as how to become a disciple who who grows daily. And and the first two steps are you have to know your identity. You have to know who you are as a child of God first. And then the second is you have to learn to practice the basics. And it sort of strikes me that worship really plays on both of those at once. First, like practice the basics, it seems sort of obvious is that we should worship God and, and sort that becomes sort of the core foundation. But it also underpins our identity, I think, stronger than any other spiritual discipline does because we were created to be worshipers of God. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not necessarily created to be readers of the Bible, although that's an important spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I would argue that's one of the ways that we come to worship God is by experiencing Him in Scripture. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. You're right. Part so of it. it's, all, it's all part of that. And so learning to worship is such an important part of any um, Christian spiritual dar- journey. You did your dissertation on learning to lead the Pentecostal worship service. Um, so I have to ask, what makes a Pentecostal worship service unique from any other worship service? That's a great question, because I think you could debate that point on... Is there such a thing as a Pentecostal worship service, or is it, or is it simply worship that Pentecostals do, mm. uh, or is there such a thing as a spirit-filled worship service as opposed to one that's not? Mm-hmm. You know, those are all kind of interesting questions, aren't they? Yeah. I would say first and foremost, though, because of of who the scriptures tell us that that the Spirit is and His relationship to Jesus. And that is that first and foremost, a Pentecostal worship service is a Christ-centered worship service because that is the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us that himself, that he will, he will tell you about me. So the Spirit is very much concerned about the church and, its, and the individuals within the church to understand who Jesus is. So worship is at its very, very core, a celebration of Jesus Christ, the Incarnation, the life that Christ lived, the kingdom that He brought, uh, His His death, His re- His uh, resurrection, and I would say even His ascension and His promise that He's coming back—all of that is wrapped up in what you might call the Christ event. Theologians would call it, and Pentecostals cannot worship without being Christ-centered. But I also would say that Pentecostals understand the present activity, if you will, of the Holy Spirit—that the Holy Spirit is right here with us. He's filling us. He's he's within us. He's around us. He's very much the active agent of the Trinity uh, right now. And so we need the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I speak of spirit empowerment, for example, as the power of the Holy Spirit to do what only God can do. See, there are some things that I can, I can do simply because I have the human capacity to, to do them. I believe that worship is one of those things that I actually need the capacity of God to worship God in a way that's suitable to him. And so I need the Holy Spirit helping me to do that because it's something that's beyond my human abilities to do. So spirit, 
Uh, Pentecostal worship, maybe think of it as spirit-empowered worship. That is, the Holy Spirit is very much there, active and present, helping us to worship Jesus. I like that definition, and it really sort of starts to make sense of maybe what Jesus says when he says, you know, those who really love me worship me in spirit and in truth. And I was wondering which, if you could say a few things as to maybe what that role is or, or how you see spirit-empowered worship intersecting with that idea of what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? The in spirit part kind of seems a little obvious, although I'm, I'm curious to see what you say about that, but that truth part always seems to stump us a little bit. What does that mean? Yeah, and actually I've come to realize that We've actually been given that notion of in spirit and in truth by an unfortunate translation uh, into English. It really is in spirit and truth in the original language. So when you, when we, when we would say it's in spirit and in truth, we kind of imply that there's a spirit part and a truth part. And I'm not so sure that Jesus intends for those to be so neatly split into this dichotomy. Of well, there's spiritual worship and there's truthful worship. No, I believe that we could we I, and I do believe it's helpful for the sake of discussion to talk about spirit and truth, but at the same time understand that we never experience them apart from one another. Mm. Okay, so uh, just like I as a person, I'm I'm a spirit being. I ha- I have an inner man and I have a physical body. I can't separate them. I can talk about them separately to understand what a body is and what a spirit is, but I'm never going to experience them at least until everything changes, right? Until I, mm-hmm. until they are finally separated when I die or when Jesus Christ comes, mm-hmm. right? That I will only experience them together. So we will only experience spirit and truth together. I think that's rooted in the nature of God, that God is spirit and God is truth. Um, I believe there is an objective, subjective balance that needs to be there, and I think those words spirit and truth help us to understand that, that there is a feeling part of worship, and there's an intellectual, if you will, a thinking part of worship. And they, both our feelings and our intellect are engaged. That's not to say that worship always needs to be emotional. I believe that we sometimes confuse the spiritual perception that we can have, that to understand that God is present and God is very near and God may even be speaking to me and revealing himself to me. And I use terms like feeling to explain that. But that doesn't mean that worship actually actually needs to be emotional. Spirit is not an emotion, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. I can be emotional in response to spirit, but spirit isn't necessarily emotional. Um, So there's, there's that piece of it. If it's, if it's making sense, I think it might even be Jesus uh, talks about this idea of spirit and truth in his context of speaking to the, to the woman at the well. And, but I also believe that, and that's in John, I also believe that in spirit and truth really has to do with the essential character, and that was in the definition I raised a moment ago, this idea of worship being a kingdom activity. 
kingdom is huge. To understand the kingdom of God is absolutely important to understand the Gospels and the entire New Testament. What does that mean that the kingdom of God has come or that the kingdom of God is coming? Jesus prayed in in his prayer, what we often call the Lord's Prayer, the very heart of that was your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he, so that describes what the kingdom is. And so as worshipers, we need to keep the kingdom central. It's very, very much understanding who God is and his nature and what he desires to happen. So um, there's all that to, to keep that all, all in mind. Uh, there, that's a big, big, that in spirit and truth, to be honest with you, it's a little bit elusive. Mm-hmm. I think for many of us to wrestle with that. What exactly does that mean? And so we keep wrestling with it, and and God yeah. helps us to understand. I think disconnecting the emotions from it is a really, really important piece, uh, especially for, for us Pentecostals. We get into a worship service, especially one where we, may, we maybe don't know the songs, ah. and we don't feel the Spirit moving because our emotions weren't kind of pricked or excited. And so it wasn't a... A very good worship service at that point, uh, regardless of whether the song contained truth about who God is and what He's doing in the in the body of Christ and celebrating yes. in that that yeah. time. But you know, also we've we've had a lot of conversations about dark nights of the soul, where it feels like God's just not even there. Yes, and so many times we have to to bring ourselves back to the truth of who God is and who we are, and that kind of serves as our anchor during those times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if worship is separated from emotions, whether I feel it or not during those dark nights of the soul, I can still worship in spirit and truth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and sadly, I wonder how many times that we've get gotten caught up in that. Maybe a pastor goes home and he says, you know, I guess that worship service was kind of a dud because there wasn't that thing you were hoping for, that that moment, that crystallizing moment, uh, or, or guilt upon the worshiper. There must be something wrong with me, you know, because, because sometimes it can be quite irregular. Someone over there looks like they're really getting blessed. And yet I don't feel a thing. What's wrong with me? Um, so if we can just kind of disconnect those things, there's nothing wrong with the emotions. There's nothing wrong with the feelings, but yet there are times where we just kind of persevere through that thing and, and say, I I resolve to be faithful. I will be a worshiper, whether or not I feel like it or whether or not I feel like I have, (laughs) I've done what, what I know to do. And I can offer that to God and leave the rest to him. And that raises a really good point. You know, when we talk about disconnecting this emotion from that worship, when we get in, what has helped me is is realizing that if I feel that the Lord isn't moving or this isn't a particularly good worship service because I'm not feeling anything, I'm I realize I'm I'm focused on myself. Mm. Whereas worship should really be about giving, right? Right. And so it does. It allows you to once you're going through these dark night of the souls or whatever the situation might be. If we are trying to worship in spirit and in truth, and we allow the spirit to empower us and work through us, regardless of whether we feel like it or not, we're accomplishing that purpose of worshiping God. As you go about your day-to-day, think back to Dr. DeGarmo's definition of worship. It's the formational activity of God's kingdom people 
through which they glorify God and by which they experience in community the kingdom of God through the Spirit's presence. This means that literally everything that you do today has the potential to be an act of worship to God. So as you go about the rest of your day-to-day, look for opportunities to turn what you're doing at that very moment into an act of worship to God. And as you worship God in those everyday moments of life, He begins to form and shape you into the person of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening at Daily Growth, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. Or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.